Welcome back to another episode of the PBL Playbook. We are continuing our series on the six A's of PBL this week. Um, and today's episode is about the next A, which is academic rigor. So the driving question we're hoping to answer in this episode is how do you develop and balance academic rigor and engagement in project-based learning? Uh, again, with the six A's series, with every one of these episodes, we're going to spend time focusing on one of the six A's. Today's six A uh, is academic rigor, um, and the rubric that we're using um, kind of defines academic rigor with three kind of indicators, and those indicators are um, in the exemplary column, there is a well-defined and clear driving question that is derived from specific national, state, district, or school content standards. The project demands breadth and depth uh, specific of specific knowledge and central concepts. And then finally, students develop new habits of mind, such as questioning or precision of language, thought, persistence. So really, we're talking about our project is rooted in the standards, and um, it requires students to think critically in um, solve problems based on the content that we're trying to teach. We have an awesome guest today, a friend of the podcast, a previous guest on a uh, PBL Project Blitz episode, Rachel Crawford, who is a first grade teacher um, at Babcock Neighborhood Schools in Babcock Ranch, Florida. And she talked to us about how she approaches academic rigor and how we sustain that throughout a project. If you like the music you're hearing on today's episode, this band is Attaboy, their song called Waking Up. So check them out on Spotify. That link is in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the PBL Playbook, brought to you by Magnify Learning, where we equip teachers with project-based learning tools today so they can engage and empower their students for the future. This podcast will give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. Now, here are your PBL Playbook hosts, Josh and Andrea. Gotta find a better way. to another episode of our six A's series. Um, today we have a familiar guest on the podcast. It's Rachel Crawford from Babcock Neighborhood School in Babcock Ranch, Florida. She's a first grade teacher and you may remember her from her Blitz episode when she shared her, her uh, eagle conservation project that she did with her kids. So Rachel, for guests who maybe didn't hear that episode or for a refresher, can you introduce yourself and your PBL background for our listeners? Sure. Um, my name is Rachel Crawford. I'm a first grade teacher at Babcock Neighborhood School in uh, at Babcock Ranch, Florida. We are a wall-to-wall -wall, uh, PBL school. I've been with Babcock since its opening. So I was part of that, the original group that opened the school. Um, this will be my fourth year at the school um, doing project-based learning. 
Awesome. So like Andrea said, this episode's all about academic rigor. And the driving question we're, we're hoping to kind of answer is how do you develop and balance academic rigor and engagement in project-based learning? Um, and that's a pretty loaded question. So we'll maybe start with something a little bit simpler. When you think about that, you know, that term or that phrase, um, academic rigor, what does that mean to you? What things come to mind when we talk about academic rigor in, in projects? So um, I think about um, kind of like the level of expectation and critical thinking. And I think what we do here when we're, when we're doing a project, um, actually, what I, I kind of always felt as a teacher that I like to kind of treat all my kids as if they're gifted or accelerated, you know, and that kind of sets sets the level of expectation that, you know, well, you're all, you all can achieve this. You all can do this project. Um, you know, do you have to scaffold it and maybe, you know, change a few things and pivot from time to time to kind of meet some of the kids to where they're at and bring them up to that level? Yes, you do. But I, I think what I love about the, the rigor of project-based learning is that they really can all achieve it. They really can um, kind of meet that expectation. Yeah, I, I love that approach because it's really important. And I think we, we often fall into that trap as teachers that, you know, we take this, the standards that are, are defined for us and we kind of look at, okay, well, this this is super advanced, like not all of my kids are going to be able to get there. But if, if you start with that mindset, then of course, kids aren't going to be able to meet it. Um, but if you start with right. the really high expectations, right. there might be a few kids you need to help more than others to get there. Um, but you, you know, that's your goal, you can get every kid there. So I, I love that approach to academic rigor, where we're talking about setting high academic standards that are, you know, that are, you know, grounded and um, centered on the, the standards that we're, we're trying to cover. Right. Yeah. I, I love it too. And, and that's, I think, what really drew me to project-based learning is because th that is the approach that you take. You know, that critical thinking is embedded in every project. So you really have to facilitate, you know, the path the students are going to take, no matter what their level, uh, you know, academically, whatever level they're at. Yeah, and I think that approach is so empowering to the kids too, mm -hmm. them to to get to that place and to recognize like, oh, I can do this. And so for the next project, they're reaching higher and higher, and um, you know that we take those scaffolding pieces away, then you know, and they're they're able to achieve higher than maybe they would in a traditional classroom for sure. Um, so along those lines, when we're talking about um, pushing kids and um, getting them to achieve maybe further than, than they would or than they even think they can. How do we know if a project is rigorous enough? What are some of the indicators um, that you would look for to make sure the rigor is there? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I think that you know that your project is has that rigor if it has a real like authenticity to it where the students have to work really hard to kind of get to the end goal. You know, if it's, if it's sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, this is just too easy. They're just like, you know, they're not challenged. It's not rigorous enough. And, um, you know, a lot of the projects that we've done, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, which actually this kind of goes along with, you know, how do you know that the academic standards are, are there? So we did this BAT project and um, one of the things that we focused on with nonfiction reading and there's, you know, teaching them those standards like uh, text evidence and that kind of thing. Well, this is where it really, that rigor comes into place. You're teaching that standard, but our ultimate goal was to um, provide something for the community that would help with the bat population. And in order to do that, they had to read and research. And that in itself, very rigorous, especially for first graders. And, you know, and they had to use the standards that were taught within the project to get the information to learn that, oh, a bad house would be great for the community. So I think, and that's going back to what I said about authenticity, that's, to me, that's how, that's how you can tell that it's really a, a rigorous um, project. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. And, and it, it kind of reminds me um, kind of early in my teaching career, and it, it's something that helped me really kind of make the connection between academic rigor and PBL. Um, you know, certainly as I'm planning stand or projects, I'm including standards, but last week or the last episode, we talked about um, authenticity. We talked about how that authentic community partner, the, the outside audience, um, that's what that drives up the engagement, right? So kids being engaged is really important because that's how we know they, they want to learn. That's what gets them to do the things that we know are going to help them learn. When we talk about academic rigor, I think the the really kind of key key point is that, and this is easier to, to say about high school students, I think, because they're, they're a little bit further developed when it comes to being able to articulate their learning. But if, if a community partner or someone who's coming in on a tour or your principal comes in, they should be able to ask students not only what they're working on for the project, but what are they learning? Like, what are the, like, maybe they can't articulate specific standards, but like, what did you learn in this project? And if, if what they talk about, you know, at, at uh, early on has nothing to do with the standards you're trying to do, then maybe you need to adjust kind of where you're at. And sometimes you, you do a really good job of hiding the standards in there and they don't necessarily yeah. pull it out. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if you can prompt them and, and get them to start thinking about it, like, okay, well, really, I did learn how to do this. I learned how to do that. And you can, as educators, we can pick that that piece out. We don't need them to recite the standard, but they can tell us that, yeah, well, we learned about research. We learned about citing our sources. We learned about making a strong argument. We learned about force or, or momentum or, or whatever it may be. Like, I think that's an indicator, right? We want our students in PBL to be able to articulate not only what they've learned, but kind of how they've learned it. And I think that yeah speaks to that level of expectation. Like not only are we hitting the standard, but kids know something more about how they're learning because of it. And I think that to me is, is a goal, right? And, and it's, a, it's kind of a metric that you can use, like having someone come in and, and ask a kid to tell them, what, what are you learning right now? Like what, what is it and how does it connect to the project? I think is really cool. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. that that is really key, having that standard connect to that piece of the project that's real, you know, like they really had to do this research using text evidence to find out what they needed to do for these bats, you know, that's a real thing. And um, 
and also I was going to say, you know, you kind of touched on it, but it looks different at every grade level. You know, what you all see in high school, that academic rigor looks real different. And it is harder to kind of see it at a primary level unless you're in it. And and how those students articulate it is different because they aren't going to use that lingo. They're not going to they're not going to say exactly what that standard is. And, you know, they're just going to tell you, oh, we looked in this book and we found out this, you know, and but still, that's it. Yeah, you, you got you nailed it. You pulled it out of a book and you put it in your project and we did it. And yeah, it's cool. So I think, um, you know, you guys both hit on some some really good points and, and we're talking about how it might look different between the different grade levels. But I think something that is consistent um, probably at all levels is that, like Josh said, the the authenticity part and the community partner part is the engaging part for the kids. You know, they want to do the thing. They want to make the final product. They want to interact with, with that community partner. Um, and sometimes that can maybe lead them away from some of the academic rigor pieces. Um, so how do we make sure that that connection sticks and that academic rigor, rigor is um, being maintained throughout the entire project? What are some of the ways that you intentionally kind of embed that or focus on that? Well, I think as the facilitator, I think if I'm understanding you, you, you kind of got to keep asking those questions, those, and get them really thinking. Um, because you're right, sometimes it can get a little bit lost. And so I think if we're always asking those challenging questions, then it kind of maintains that high level of expectation. So it's really how you facilitate it that keeps it going, that keeps that momentum going. Yeah, I, I just need to echo that. Like, as a, uh, you know, in my math education world, and as a math facilitator, like, that's, that's huge, right? You know, and um, we haven't really discussed that this much on or that much on the, the podcast. But like, when we talk about problem based learning in math, instead of project based learning, and we shrink it down, and we, we find these, these problems that are, are, are engaging and get kids to do math where it doesn't necessarily look like it. Um, a lot of textbooks have, you know, they have word problems, right? They have story problems and they have, some of them are actually really good. Some of them are crazy and have all sorts of like unrealistic um, applications, but some of them are really good. And then what happens is, is as a, either, either as a teacher or the textbook itself will take a, this really great question that, in, you know, engages and hooks the kids or, in, in terms of their interests. And then they list out steps A, B, C, D, E. And if you do steps A, B, C, D, and E, you get the answer. Um, but the kid never had to solve a problem, right? And so if we put too much, like I think one of the things as a PBL facilitator that we have to pay attention to is how much scaffolding we give our kids. If we provide too much support and too much guidance and too much direction, we're taking away some of that critical thinking, some of that that problem solving. And, and again, this is something that looks different at different levels. Like you can't just like give them a problem and say, solve it because right. e even at the high school level, ninth graders don't know how to solve, solve problems, you know, and, and we need to figure out how to help them do that. But we have to be careful and constantly checking ourselves and saying like, how much are we letting them struggle? How much are we letting them work through it? Because, and then, and then I think ultimately, how are we, helping them recognize that 
the struggle that they went through is is the learning process, is the learning piece, right? Like when, when a kid struggles on something, and, and I, we know this from research, when a kid struggles on something, when they delve into it, when they work and solve problems, that's when that information is going to be retained. Um, when we talk about depth of knowledge and we talk about that transfer of knowledge, it's when you go through a process of, I got the surface level stuff, I've practiced it, but here's how I took it and applied it to a situation that's when we know that kids will remember and be able to use that knowledge in the future. And so as a facilitator, our job needs to be kind of always walking that line between helping them enough that they don't get frustrated and and shut down and giving them enough opportunity to struggle so that they're not feeling like it's too easy. And it's, it's not an easy line to walk. Um, But I think that's, I think that's our, our goal. And that's how we have to approach PBL is how do we keep them maybe in that that kind of risk zone um, when we talk about zones of comfort, like how do we keep them there? Yeah. And I, I also wanted to add um, something that I think, uh, at least in our, I know you, you all do lots of different collaborative work and grouping and at a primary level, you know, when we're, when we have students working collaboratively in a, in more uh, heterogeneous grouping, you know, you've got kids of all levels and all, uh, you know, social, their social skills are different across the board. Um, it really does, I think, help with that rigor as well, that academic rigor, because you're kind of able to keep them all up at a certain level of expectations. And um, yeah, I worked in a school years ago that they they grouped kids, they they leveled them, you know, and and you could not maintain academic rigor when you had them all at the same level, um, especially if they were strugglers. So when you when you're having them work together, I think it's so important to to mix those groups up and and get them working together and they will rise. I mean, they really will rise to the level of the other students. I've seen it. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I, you know, went against what everyone else was doing at my whole, my old school. That's just how they did it. And, and kind of modeled it and like, look, this is what happens when you do this and, and project-based learning. That's what they tell you. That's, that's really what, it's meant to be. We're all students of all levels working together to solve a problem, thinking critically, modeling it for each other, and and solve you know solving the problem. Yeah, I think that is such a great approach. Um, you know, we have talked about this in our workshops, but kids will um, kids will move to the standard that you set. So if you start the bar low, kids will will drop and kind of ease into something that is maybe below what they're capable of. But if you set the bar higher, then kids will rise to that. And, you know, obviously, like you said, at the beginning of the episode, um, we scaffold and we give kids the support they need to get there, but we, you know, we push them to get there. So I think that that's such an awesome way to approach it. Well, thank you so much for um, giving us your time this afternoon. It's always great to, to talk PBL with you. Thanks for being with us again. It was fun. I always love talking about PBL. Ready, break. Thanks again for joining Josh and Andrea for the PBL Playbook. 
where we give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet at AskGIEBS, at MissB103, and at MagnifyLearning. Or you can email the PBL playbook at MagnifyLearningN.org with any questions, thoughts, or ideas you have. Also be sure to show Josh and Andrea some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators. Yeah.